0: Proverbs chapter 4, Proverbs chapter 4, we always have time for the Word, amen? We always have time for the Word. And um, uh, I've got a lot of other things that I want to share with you this morning from the Word, but I just really feel led by the Holy Spirit to continue um, reminding you of and and pointing these uh, verses out to you. I want you to become familiar with them. Um, if you've just followed along uh, as many times as we've looked at them recently on Sunday mornings, you've probably committed them to memory or, or at least uh, uh, very familiar with what they're saying. But extremely important verses, uh, these are life verses for me, they're obviously all the Word of God is to be lived by, but what I mean by a life verse, these are, are just central to, to my daily walk in life and something that I aspire to and so Amen. I want to present them to you one more time this morning. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Look at me for just a moment. Amen. One of the, I think, big challenges of you know, living the Christian life and, and growing in the things of God is for us to understand the part that is ours, and the part that is God's. Do you understand what I mean by that? In other words, there are certain things that he has spelled out for us in his word that um, it's his commitment to us. It's it's what he's told us that it's his job, you know, quote unquote. Um, and as a matter of fact, it's not only is it, is it his job, we're, we're to not touch it. We're to turn it over to him. Um, but then there are other things in the Scripture that clearly state um, that's not father's responsibility. It's not his job. It's not his assignment. It's our responsibility. It's our assignment. And um, there's a lot of confusion and and a lot of frustration when we don't understand these things and we're trying to do his part instead of ours and getting upset with him because we want him to do the part that's ours. And, and he's not going to do your part. Uh, matter of fact, he can't do your part, um, but he will do his. Now, here's the beautiful thing, all right? The part that is yours uh, to do, he'll help you with it. Amen. He'll help you with it, but he's, he can't and won't do it for you. And so if you just notice in, in these first two verses, uh, there's some pretty important uh, parts here that belong to you and me that are being spelled out for us. In other words, he, his part is to speak the word. Our part is to what? Give attention to it. His, his part, and aren't you glad he's faithful to speak to us from heaven? That's his part. Our part is to incline our ear to his sayings above all the other voices that are uh, you know, scrambling uh, to, to gain our ear and our attention. Um, do not let them depart from your eyes. Well, again, that's our part. That's our part. Now, let's, again, personalize this um, in the same way that Father can't do your part for you, but He can help you. Um, I can't do your part for you, and you can't do my part for me. We can help one another. We can encourage one another. But when it comes to you not letting the Word of God depart from your eyes, that's a personal commitment that you're going to have to make, that I'm going to have to make, and that you're going to have to follow through on. And I'm gonna have to follow through on, and there is no uh, equal substitute for that. In other words, there's nothing else you can do in life that will compensate for a failure to keep the Word of God in your eyes and and keep it coming into your ears so that it can dwell in the midst of your heart. Well, there's a a lot of, we could teach a lot of things from these handful of verses here. But remember, David was the one who talked about hiding the Word of God in his heart. Hiding the Word of God in his heart. I don't know when's the last time you've played a game of hide-and-seek, or, or maybe you've played a game with, with you know, some children or something where you've, like, Easter, you think of hiding Easter eggs, you know. Um, so the idea of hiding something, it's speaking of a deliberate, intentional act. In other words, there's some, there's some thought put into um, hiding something. Now, if it's not a game, but you're legitimately trying to hide something from someone uh, that you don't want them to find, well, you know, the deeper you can, you know, dig and the, and the, and the greater you can conceal it, the better, right? So, when David said that he had, he had hidden God's Word in his heart, um, he's talking about that, you know, this idea of, of, of digging deep, deliberately, intentionally, uh, putting it there, placing it there, right, um, and he goes on to say, so that I might not sin against god it's it 's been said that the um, the kings in uh, Israel that uh, that God wanted them to have uh, a copy of of his word in their own uh, handwriting uh, and, and for them to keep that with them so, so the idea is that Um, They had not just read what God had said as the leader of his people, but they had made a personal handwritten copy of it Um, Well, how many of you believe that would be something good? uh, You know for for us Uh, I'm not saying the whole Bible, but but you know when's the last time you've I guess today it would be texting it You know, I don't know, but um, there's something about the the action of of writing something Um, One of the things that I love to do is take a scripture And put it in my own words amen amen not taken away from the meaning but just another way for me to remember and to recall it and to keep it in the midst of my heart he goes on to say for their life to those who find them and health or medicine to all their flesh keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life verse 20 21 and 22 are Uh, practical instructions for the fulfillment of verse 23 keep or guard your heart keep or guard your heart not with some diligence but with all diligence and why is this so important because from your heart spring forth the issues of life now just one thing that we have said along the way is that you can't keep the devil out of your life if you won't keep his thoughts out of your mind and his affections out of your heart we are the gatekeeper For our own hearts amen and we have to be very aware of what we allow in and what we keep out Jesus said in John 14 1 if I could review for just a moment he said let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me let not your heart be troubled literal translation of this do not allow your heart to be agitated do not allow your heart to be agitated you believe in God, believe also in me. In the same way that uh, verse 23 is a practical, I'm I'm sorry, verse 21 and 22 of Proverbs 4 are a practical uh, instructions to do what verse 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence. Um, We have that same combination in this verse. When Jesus says, do not allow your heart to be troubled, do not allow your heart to be agitated. he He would have never told us to do that if this was not something that that we had control over, right? But he also, in telling us to not allow a heart to be troubled, he told us how to effectively do that, practically do that. You believe in God, believe also in me. Take that word believe and just substitute trust, right? Believing or trusting is the opposite of and the key to not allowing your heart to be troubled. Let me say it another way. If you're allowing your heart to be troubled that's a really sure sign that you are not trusting God in that particular area or for that particular thing right the the concept behind this would like your heart being agitated or troubled uh, would be like worry or stress or anxiety um, allowing thoughts and things into your heart that um, Take your heart from its natural state, which is settled and calm, and keep it stirred up, right? We allow things in that trouble or agitate or stir up our hearts. The the answer to practically, effectively not allowing your heart to be troubled is to trust or believe in God. Amen. So remember what he says. uh, Maybe we'll get there in a moment. But in Hebrews 4, he said that we enter into our rest, how? By faith. By faith. By faith. Now, um, let's go again to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. Praise God. Okay, so if you normally uh, enter uh, the sanctuary from the doors uh, on my left, if you're facing the back, um, there's a good chance you missed the produce aisle on, on this hallway. Amen. So again, uh, Brother Ed blessed uh, this family of faith with some beautiful produce. Um, brother, that, that cucumber, I had to ask somebody what that cucumber was. I'd never seen one uh, shaped like that or that long out there. So anyway, um, so please uh, be blessed by the tomatoes and squash and, and whatever other good things um, are out there. Praise God. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 9. I want you to find it in your Bibles if, if you would take the time to do it. I think this is a verse worthy of, of somehow highlighting or noting Um, in in uh, in your Bible praise God and and uh, if you color code things or make notes out beside things this is a verse that goes to uh, well it explains a lot of things but one of the key things that it that it that it reveals or explains to us is something about you um, something about the way God created you that you may not have understood yet okay and um, so it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. Now, clearly the context here is that Paul is talking about other colleagues of his That have also labored among the people there in Corinth, and they, in their immaturity, uh, would basically align themselves with a certain minister or or apostle, and and um, because you know their different notoriety and fame and that sort of thing, um, you know they would say things like, "Well, I was born again under Paul's ministry," Um, and uh, you know, so like Apollos again was another. Uh, minister in, in that day, maybe not as well known uh, as as Paul, uh, they, they were thinking that because they got saved and received Jesus when Paul preached the message that somehow that gave them a leg up on someone who was saved when they heard the message from a lesser known apostle. It was just again a bunch of silliness and childishness that that the Apostle Paul was correcting and, and, and bringing insight into how um, you know all ministers are are gifts uh, uh, from God to the body of Christ to accomplish certain things that God's established. And, and so he even you know, went on to say that he may have planted and another may have watered, but it's God who gives the increase. And so um, you're familiar, I'm sure some of you with these teachings. But we also see an, another aspect here that as fellow workers, um, they were both working as farmers and as builders as farmers and as builders um, because you are God's field and you are God's building. Now, in other places, we even see where the Holy Spirit inspired Peter uh, to use similar terminology when he talked about how each one of us are uh, living stones. And uh, in our study on giving uh, Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit the places they deserve in our lives, um, we looked at how Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And, and we said that, that that was the first stone that would have been put in place, and then all other stones would find their place by the placement of that stone. And so, again, that imagery uh, is used, uh, and he goes on to say that, that Father's building us together uh, as a habitation where He can come. And, and so you are the temple of, 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 of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And again, there's a lot that we could go down that road. That's enough of that, though, for now. Um, I want you to look at it this morning as well from a more practical um, aspect, and, and that is, as God's building, who and what are you allowing to come in? who and what are you allowing to gain entry and then as God's field um, who and what are we allowing to be planted or to plant um, in our lives and in our hearts notice how it's again the emphasis that I believe back to guard your heart with all diligence Um, so if your heart is a building um, who and what are you allowing to come in and out of that building? You shouldn't just allow any person into your heart. You shouldn't just allow any person into your life. We were talking about this in the, in the Ephesians class. And, and um, if you read the story of, of, of when Father God brought His people out of Egyptian slavery, if you read that carefully, you're going to see that that there were people who were not um, descendants of abraham they they were not of the nation of israel um, who just decided to get on up out of egypt and go uh, when when all the israelites left uh, the problem with that though was that they didn't know god they didn't belong in the promised land and they weren't interested in going to the same place that god was taking his people and and so they allowed people into their lives who weren't going in the same direction they were going in, who didn't want the same things that they wanted, who, who weren't pursuing the same things they were pursuing. And it wound up causing them issues. It wound up causing them problems. So again, if your heart is a building, you've got to be careful who you, you know, think about your own personal home. You don't just let anybody come into your house. Now, I know some folks are a little more, um, let's just say diligent where that's concerned or not. You know, they... They leave the chain in the door and crack it, you know, and look through and that sort of thing. But when it comes to guarding your heart, you, you, I want you to have that kind of mindset, you know, that don't just let anything in your heart that, that, that knocks on the door of it. Amen. Amen. And so as God's building, who and what are you allowing to come in? And as God's field, who and what? First of all, what are you allowing to be planted there? And who are you allowing to plant in your heart? Again, you shouldn't just let anybody plant uh, things in your life. Um, The Bible clearly says that there are a lot of people who have wrong motives and a wrong heart um, when it comes to the Word of God. They're handling it deceitfully. Um, And and, and so again, we should be uh, diligent to guard our heart when it comes to um, what we allow in, who we allow in. And in the case of planting there, Who we allow to plant in our lives. Now, this word field means what you think it means a a piece of land ready for planting. The Amplified Version says, You are God's garden. You are God's piece of land ready for planting. Somebody say amen to that now. I know we covered some of this last week, but I really, you know, the Holy Spirit is really helping us here. By explaining this to us by, by giving us these verses and if you think I'm taking these out of context well maybe that would be the case if that was the only verse we were trying to 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 build this uh, sermon and lesson around but the Bible has much 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 to say um, about our heart and it being soil and the seeds that are planted and the crops that are produced From the seeds that are planted in our hearts am I right about this amen so you are God's piece of land ready for planting and I think if we would begin to view ourselves and understand ourselves in this way it would give us a more um, practical view of what it really means then to keep or guard your heart with all diligence um, because your heart, just like physical soil, will try to grow and bring fruit into your life from everything you allow into it. It doesn't matter. That, that's, that's the way um, soil works. Anything you put in soil, soil is going to try to grow and break it down and produce something from it. And your heart is exactly the same way. Amen. And again, if you think I'm, I'm exaggerating or stretching something to fit here, were not the first words, Father God spoke to humanity, something along the lines of be fruitful and multiply, right? Did He not tell us um, and create us uh, to, be, to be fruitful and to bring forth fruit? Now, um, amen, let me just, we could look at all these verses I'm trying to set up. Um, where we're headed in the Scripture. So let me, let me just remind you of, of one last thing. Did, did He not say that, um, that we would be like trees planted by the rivers of water and that we would bring forth our fruit in our season? Amen. Well, the Word of God speaks of these things, right? Speaks of you, compares you to a tree. And remember, where does a tree bring forth fruit from? It brings forth fruit from within itself. And so it's not that um, you're like a tree. It's a tree's like you. Amen. And it's like you and the tree are like our Heavenly Father. We were created by Him, like Him, to function as He functions, to bring forth fruit from within ourselves, outwardly from, from our innermost being. Again, from your heart. Keep your heart from all, with all diligence. Why? Because what's in your heart is going to be produced as fruit in your life. If you allow wrong things to be planted in your heart, it's going to continually bring wrong fruit out in your life. And so many times, it's the fruit that's bugging us, and we pay so much attention to the fruit, but we ignore what we're allowing into our hearts that are actually causing that fruit to be continually produced in our lives. Amen. Am I right about this? Okay, so there's a lot here. You know, we just take one verse, 1 Corinthians 3, 9, you're God's field, you're God's garden, deal with it. Now, that, that, again, that's, that's not what we're saying. The, the Bible has multiple connections, multiple uh, things that all come in alignment with this truth uh, for us to learn from and understand. Amen. Alright, let's go now to uh, Mark the fourth chapter. Mark chapter 4, praise God. Alright, we've got a few more minutes. Are you good? Amen. Praise God. Well, let's, let's look at a little more of this and then we'll, we'll jump back in on it. Uh, what we don't have time for this morning back on it tonight. And we will be having service tonight. I know We took a a Sunday night off last Sunday night for Father's Day, and um, so thank you for your faithfulness. Amen. All right, Mark chapter 4. Now, this parable that we find in Mark, the fourth chapter, um, is referred to as the parable of the sower, and that's S O W E R. And, and it's talking about someone sowing or planting um, seed, okay? The parable of the sower. One of the things that helps me just with the idea of, of the word parable is put, put C-O-M in front of it. Come parable, okay? It's a comparable. So the idea is that Jesus has come to this earth to teach us um, heavenly truth. He's he's come to reveal to us um, the wisdom of His world. And remember now, everything you can see in this world came from Jesus' world, if you will, the the realm of the Spirit, uh, that you cannot see. The Bible says it this way, things that are visible came from that which is invisible. Okay? so. If the realm that you cannot see created the realm that you can see, which would you think is the greater realm? The realm that you can't see. In other words, not only does the realm that you can't, not only is the realm, rather, that you can't see greater, the realm that you can't see has controlling authority over that which you can see. I like to simplify it this way, there's more to life than meets the eye. And we've all had different kinds of experiences in our lives that we, we know there's more going on here than we can explain. There's more going on here that, that, than what can, can be rationalized with, with, with human logic or human understanding. So that's the realm of the Spirit. That's, that's God's world. Amen. And so we see that Jesus came from that realm and became a man. The Word became flesh. And He dwelt or lived among us. This is what the Bible says in John, the first chapter. All right? Now, oh, thank you, Jesus. So let me, if I could simplify the word becoming flesh, um, it just simply means that Jesus was a living, breathing expression of the divine mind, of the divine intelligence. All right? So Jesus came not just to tell us, but to show us. He didn't just come to, to teach us, but to live it out in front of us the wisdom of God the greater our, our higher wisdom of God okay now how is Jesus going to bridge this gap we, we talk about um, a generation gap amen and there is a new culture that is alive and well on planet Earth it's the digital age and um, I've been reading a book, it's, it's, it's a fascinating book. And, and one of the points that he makes um, about a new culture is how the roles in a new culture are reversed, right? In an established culture, it is the parent's responsibility to teach the children um, the ways and even the language, right, if you will, um, of their established culture. But think of families that immigrated here, like say from Italy, okay? Well, now they've been exposed to a new culture and the roles reverse. Many times it's the children who teach the parents. Them right about it, okay? Anybody in here ever asked their grandson or daughter to help you with your cell phone? See, again, it's a new culture that that the children pick up and understand quicker, right? And so now they're helping the, they're, te- they're teaching us the lingo. They're teaching us, um, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think what, uh, you know, like, anyway, praise God, my children get, you know, did you Facebook that? You know, using Facebook as a verb and these kinds of things, right? They're like, dad, you know, anyway, so praise God. So again, it, we're talking about <clears throat> a, a new culture here. And so there's a gap that, that has to be bridged, a generational gap. That has, that has to be bridged. Well, Jesus wasn't just dealing with a generational gap. He, he was dealing with a kingdom gap. He was dealing with, how about it, the Bible says this way in Isaiah 55, that God's ways are higher than our ways. How much higher? Higher than the heavens are above the earth. That's a big gap, my friend. That's a big gap, right? It's kind of like somebody who knows... Um, You know, who knows how to add, subtract, multiply, and divide talking to somebody who understands quantum physics. There's a big gap between adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing and quantum physics. Amen? So, Jesus comes from this world, this realm of superior wisdom, superior understanding. But he doesn't just come here uh, to show off. He comes here to impart. He comes here to to teach he comes here to reveal to us the wisdom of his world and so how does he do that he does that by finding things in our world to compare and ultimately slow down and bring close enough to us the wisdom from his world by using something in our world to compare it to Therefore, you have this thing or this instrument called a parable. Is everybody still with me? Okay. Now, one of the things that we see, just as a side note, when Jesus has his conversation, landmark conversation, perhaps one of the most important conversations ever held in the history of humankind on planet Earth, and I'm talking about the conversation Jesus had recorded in John chapter 3 with a Pharisee named Nicodemus. Have a conversation, and in there we learn so much about the new birth that we don't, we don't see anywhere else, uh, at least on that level, in Scripture. And so Jesus says this t- to Nicodemus, right? Up at this point, you've not listened to anything that I've said. So how are you going to believe if, if I tell you something, right, um, that, that's from my world, that there's nothing in your world I can compare it to. Are you, are you, are you seeing this right? Because here's the thing. There is wisdom and truth that, that, that is available to you and me that there is absolutely nothing on planet earth that, that Jesus could use as a, as a comparison to try to, to try to slow it down and bring it close enough for us to take the leap of faith into that boat. I don't tell you that to... Uh, to, to, to frustrate you or make you feel small this morning, but for something for us to aspire to. This is why James says, any man who lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and is no respecter of persons. In other words, Father God wants to share His wisdom for life and living with you and me. He wants the principles that created the universe to be operating in your life and family on a daily basis. Amen. Amen. Am I the only person that's amazed by folks who are way smarter than me? People who can do things that I, I don't even understand how that works, and, and, and they can do it with one hand tied behind their back. And the results that they can produce? The, 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 the things that they can can fix, repair, you know, correct, change, again, because they're they're operating at a at a at a level of understanding. Over the years you've heard Matthew talk about a dream that he had is being fulfilled, drilling wells in Birmingham to find a, a, a water supply for the University of Alabama at Birmingham, the hospital on the campus. Hit water at over 400 feet last week, amen, amen, you you know, I mean it's like, he talks about these things and I'm like going, yeah, okay, yeah, alright, and what's a chiller? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm like, you know, well, we need them for the chiller and this and that. I'm like, okay, whatever. I, you know. Again, the things that he knows, the level of understanding that he functions at and operates in, it's impressive to me. Amen. Well, there's none more impressive than our Heavenly Father. What he knows what he can do, what he can accomplish. He can make an axe head float, my friend. He can put gold in a fish's mouth and it be the one fish you pull out of the water. Are you understand what I'm saying? He understands these things because he, he understands laws of physics that we haven't figured out yet on planet Earth. Scope and scale and perspective and, 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 and again, on levels that are, that, are, that are literally, they do not compute to the human natural mind. And he's up in heaven wanting to share that with you so that you can use those mysteries. Mysteries, we're going to look at that word here in a, either now or tonight. Mysteries, it's, it literally means secret, sacred, hidden truths. Amen. Mysteries. How things work on a level that can only be described as otherworldly, that can only be described as eternal, that can only be described as infinite, that can only be described as by the existence of God Himself. And yet, Jesus came to this earth to share these principles, these mysteries, these truths, this wisdom with you and me to make it available for your daily life, to make the difference in your life when nothing else can or will. Does that that stir you up? I hope it does. I hope it does. I don't know what you're facing this morning. I don't know what you're dealing with this morning. But what I do know is that my Father in heaven, He has the answers. Modern science, medical science may not have the answers, but my Father in heaven does. He knows what they're just scratching the surface at. Amen. And He can do in a split second what man could never do in a hundred years. There was a wisdom involved in Jesus touching Peter's mother-in-law on the hand and the infection and the fever that was almost taking her out of life itself, right, leaving immediately. That wasn't magic. That wasn't hocus-pocus. No more than antibiotics and things that that we have made great progress in here in in this in this life in this earth and understanding that these certain medicines will help fight infections and and you know may take 714 days what have you blah 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 again I'm thankful for all of that but there's something in other words there there is wisdom behind the antibiotic that you take with water, amen, that helps your body fight off an infection. In the same way, there is wisdom just on a much higher level involved when Jesus touched her on the hand. Something went out of Him into her that changed that situation in a moment. Amen. That's the level of wisdom we're talking about here. And again, it's higher than our ways, higher than the heavens are above the earth. But Jesus came from those heavens to this earth to impart that wisdom, to hand it out, to make it available to us. If you read this first sermon, it's chock full of all kinds of this basic fundamental stuff, right? Give and it'll be given unto you. Right, amen. See, the wisdom of man says hoard it up. Wisdom of man says elbow and, and crawl over people and, and, and whatever you gotta do to get ahead. And, that, and that's how you work your way to the top. No, Jesus said, if you want to wind up at the top, deliberately go to the bottom. You say, well, I, no, I don't know. No, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and He'll leave you in a, in a debased state. Is that what it says? No, humble yourself under His hand and He'll exalt you. All of this. But see, and, and, it's, and it's sad to me that so many people are still struggling with those, basics, uh, those basic fundamental... I mean, that was, that was like... If, if Jesus's earthly ministry was high school through was was um was kindergarten through a, a doctorate degree then that first sermon was kindergarten that first sermon was just hey guys you know and we got to learn to get along here you got to learn how to pray for your enemies and when people offend you it's bait that the devil's putting in front of you to just keep you chasing your tail don't take the bait don't fall into that trap Um, If you want to be like your father in heaven show mercy and kindness and love to people who may not show it to you first Or who may not ever show it back to you? He's just again giving us these basic fundamentals, but he builds on it from there, right? Most of his parables begin with this statement the kingdom of heaven is like Let me give you the new Winslet international version of that are you ready? This is how these things work in heaven that's what he's saying. This is how you do it here. This is how we do it there. This is this is how you try to make it happen here. This is how we make it happen there. The choice is yours you can do it this way or that way but I'm telling you this way is much better. The kingdom of heaven is like the kingdom of heaven is like the kingdom of heaven is like the kingdom of heaven is like. Pay attention to it when you read the Gospels over and over and over and over again. Now, let me try to land this plane Mark chapter 4 verse 13 in this parable of the sower we'll get into it in greater detail tonight he tells the parable and then as he often did he explained the parable and in Mark chapter 4 verse 13 and he said to them do you not understand this parable how then will you understand all the parables if you go into the original language What Jesus is literally saying here goes something like this. If you do not understand this parable, it will be impossible for you to understand all the others. I refer to this parable as the master key parable. In other words, it's the understanding of this parable that unlocks the understanding of all the others. Amen, Man, where does the time go? Singers, musicians, if you would, please come. So what am I trying to say? We need to understand this parable. We need to make really, really, really sure that we understand this parable and what he's saying here. Now, let me... I know y'all can't hear me when y'all get up here, so we're going to fix that soon. But let me just, are you still good? you still with me? Luke recorded it, Mark recorded it, and Matthew recorded it. The Holy Spirit saw fit, that's how important this is, for three of the four gospel writers to record this parable. And as is the case with multiple teachings uh, I'm, I'm sorry with other teachings that are recorded in multiple Gospels or certain miracles That are recorded in multiple Gospels read all the accounts. It's because it's they're not confused It's each one saw it th- from a different perspective and included different details than the others and by looking at all of them together You get the full uh, more full picture fuller picture In in this parable the disciples asked Jesus they said why do you keep telling stories why do you keep telling parables they knew there was so much more in him he would have crowds of thousands and they kept wanting him to tell them the good stuff and instead Jesus would talk about a man who had two sons and they're like "You know what is up you know and this is what Jesus said Jesus said I tell the crowds parables because it has been given to you to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Wow. Now see, there you go. It's like, well, there goes Jesus playing favorites. No, 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 no. No, no, no. See, again, I'm just, I'm going to explain this in greater detail, but hear me for now and then we'll pray. Why was it given to some and not given to others? Why would Jesus give the disciples understanding of the mysteries, but not give it? He said, well, it really wasn't Him giving it, but we'll talk about that as well. Why was it given to some and not given to others? Simple, simple answer. You ready? The ones that it had been given to were the ones who had given Him place in their lives. Because they gave Him, and His words, place in their lives, their understanding was unlocked. Those who had not given him that place yet, their understanding had not yet been unlocked. And so he's telling parables. The Message Translation says he was giving parables to try to create a readiness of heart, to try to draw them in, where they would say, you know, wow. Because it's, remember, stand with me, praise God. Jesus cannot have a place in your life that His words do not have. And the opposite is true of that as well. His words cannot have a place in your life that He does not have. Amen. So because a large portion of that crowd that was listening to Jesus that day, because they had not given Him that place, it had not been given to them to understand the mysteries. The ones who had given Him place once they gave him that place, it was then given to them. I'll show it to you in scriptures. i got three or four scriptures, three or four different places where it says like eg- exactly like this. He unlocked their understanding. Amen. I personally do not know of a greater need in the body of Christ. So the body of Christ, I'm talking about folks who have been born again. If you haven't been born again, your greatest need is salvation. But among those who have already received salvation, I do not know of a greater need in the body of Christ today than for our understanding to the secret, sacred, hidden truths of God's kingdom to be unlocked in our lives. There's not a greater need. There's not a greater need. Amen. Amen. Can I pray for you? Father, thank You for these beautiful men and women this morning. Thank You, Father, for their faithfulness. Thank You, Father, for their willingness. Lord, they could be other places doing other things today. And certainly, Lord, we, we understand vacation and rest and taking a break. But Father, I thank You as well, though, for those that are here and for their commitment, Father, to You but their commitment to the rest of us, our commitment to one another. Father, being faithful to church means being faithful to the body of Christ, the church which is His body. It's not just an ideal we're faithful to, it's not just a denomination we're faithful to, it's not just a building we're faithful to, Father, we're being faithful to you, and we're being faithful to you by being faithful to one another. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Father, that because we're giving Jesus the place in our hearts that 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 he deserves that you're giving to us the spiritual ability to understand secret sacred hidden truths father that will make a world of difference an eternity of difference in our lives Father, thank you this morning for helping us understand this master key parable. One that will unlock the understanding of all other parables, causing them to become alive and active in our hearts and lives and families. So we thank you this morning for your wisdom and we ask you for it humbly, sir. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's sing this together before we're dismissed. If you'd like to come and pray or be prayed for this morning, these altars are open know some of you have already responded. Let's just worship before Him for a moment.